can your clients force you back into the office? Well, maybe. Today on the podcast, we talk about a memo that one huge company sent to its law firms saying, basically, if you want our business, your lawyers should not work from home. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So as I speak, I'm currently in our offices here in Arlington, Virginia, and I'm liking being back so far, but I know a lot of people for a lot of different reasons are dreading having to go back in. And even if they're not necessarily feeling dread, a lot of workers are asking themselves, if we work from home throughout the pandemic, why can't we just keep doing it? It's a debate that's front and center in America's white-collar world. And into that debate, Eric Grossman lobbed a big old grenade. Grossman is the top lawyer at Morgan Stanley, and as Bloomberg Law first reported, he sent a memo earlier this month to all of the law firms that do business with the big financial giant, saying, essentially, law is practiced best when it's practiced face-to-face. Get back in the office. As you might expect, this set off a ton of discussion in the legal world. Why is Morgan Stanley doing this? Can Morgan Stanley do this? Are they crazy? Well, today we're going to answer all of those questions with two Bloomberg Law reporters, Megan Tribe and Brian Baxter. I started off by asking Brian, what exactly was in the memo that Grossman sent? Basically, this memo from Eric Grossman, who has been Morgan Morgan Stanley's legal chief for about a decade. And the, the crux of the memo basically said to, you know, if you value client service and you know, you want to do the best that you can for Morgan Stanley, uh, you should bring your lawyers back into the office and sort of start start the process of ending these remote work policies that became more prevalent during the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Did, did it say you should or did it say you must? It's a matter of interpretation. It didn't say outright that if you didn't do it, you wouldn't get Morgan Stanley's business. But there was a strong suggestion that if you believe in client service and you believe in providing the best value and, and training your lawyers the, the appropriate way that Morgan Stanley would look favorably on those that sort of did it, you know, the old school apprenticeship model where you have folks, more junior folks learning from senior folks uh, in the office. And, you know, the, the sort of reading between the lines, the uh, the uh, motive was clear uh, that, that you know, if, if you want to be considered for some of, the, of Morgan Stanley's work, um, you should sort of get in line with their policy, which has been to sort of get most of their employees back to the office. Is there any precedent for this? Uh, I mean, clearly, you know, when you have an attorney-client relationship, um, you know, clients can make demands of attorneys. Uh, That's no surprise. But is there any precedent for something like this? Sure. I mean, it's certainly, you know, law department leaders definitely have discussions with law firm leaders, you know, all the time. Uh, about what, what their likes and various likes and dislikes. I think what made this different was that it became public and so quickly. And, you know, you know, I think we got caught news of the memo. You know, think of which one out. I think like shortly before midnight on a Thursday, and we had heard about it by like 9 a.m. Friday morning. Um, so you know, it's 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 unusual in the sense for a major company's law department leader to sort of send out what many think to be a black and white policy. Uh, you know, do this or do that. Well, well, let's let's get into that. Uh, and Megan, I want to turn to you now to talk about the reaction. Um, how did law, law firms, the ones that work with Morgan Stanley and the ones even that don't, how did they react to this? Um, I do think that, you know, public pushback from law firms was essentially non-existent. 
Um, you know, a lot of law firm leaders didn't respond or, you know, a lot of law firms didn't publicly respond to it. Um, you know, but they really are in a catch-22 position in this. Um, they're trying to figure out what's best for their personnel, but, you know, client demands being what they are, law firms listen to their clients. I mean, we can look back on, you know, recent issues, um, particularly like diversity, recent pushes from inside, um, you know, companies to have their outside counsel be more diverse. And, and law firms have really responded to that fairly vocally. So to kind of see them step into, see, you know, companies and outside GCs step into return to office policies, I think kind of had, you know, perhaps maybe surprised some law firm leaders that they would be, um, you know, even willing to opine on that. Yeah. And I, I would say that it was, you know, it was interesting to me that, you know, we, we reached out to a lot of the law firms that do work for Morgan Stanley um, after this memo came out and we wanted to know what their feelings were on it. And, you know, the only law firm was Greenberg Trark that, that came out and publicly supported, you know, the return to office, you know, quote unquote mandate. We didn't hear back from many other law firm leaders who just, you know, for whatever reason, you know, whether they just wanted to let the memo speak for itself, um, they weren't willing to put their sort of name to a comment about it. And I, I found that interesting. Still trying to figure out whether or not it means they support it or not, or that they're also caught between, you know, as Megan said, uh, catch-22 between their own employees, whoever their own preferences. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm wondering how much or if any leverage these law firms have here because, you know, short of firing your client, essentially, what, what could they do if they don't want to meet this meet this demand? Well, what, for one, there's no it, it's unclear to me what the enforcement mechanism was on Morgan Stanley's end. Like, how do you know where all your lawyers are? I mean, if you're doing work for, for Morgan Stanley, you can come into a, an, a to a meeting with them in, in their actual office. You know, you don't have to be on Zoom. And that was one of the things that uh, Grossman mentioned in this in his memo, that they weren't going to be accommodating Zoom in, you know, certain important uh, strategic meetings. It's quite possible you could have lawyers, uh, outside lawyers from Morgan Stanley, you know, coming into the office when they know they're going to be interacting with Morgan Stanley on something and, you know, could be uh, remote some other part of the time. Um, and I think that's what maybe some law firms are sort of planning on, you know, is like you'll have sort of this hybrid model that evolves. Um, but that's something we're just going to have to wait and see how it all shakes out. So we just talked about the law firms. Uh, it sounds like they are, as you mentioned, caught, you know, between a rock and a hard place, to use a cliche not really wanting to weigh in, not wanting to comment on this. Let's talk about the attorneys, though, uh, the individual attorneys themselves. There has been a lot of discussion about this in the legal world. Um, you know, what are they saying? Uh, based on what I've seen, no one's really happy about this. Yeah, I mean, certainly you, you, I think that was some of the most, you know, the folks that were eager, eager to weigh in on this publicly uh, were those that were sort of opposed to sort of, you know, sort of a a broader mandate. And I th I, that's slowly starting, I think, to, to change a little bit. You had an op-ed in the New York Times yesterday from a, a prominent Houston trial lawyer, John Sapitsanos, um, saying that, you know, that his law firm brought folks back to the office last year and they've been better for it. And I think maybe you'll see some, maybe a little bit more on the other side of the equation start to balance out a little bit between, you know, the folks that are sort of in favor of more flexible uh, working policies and, and those that, per, you know, would prefer a more traditional model. But certainly, you know, there's been some talk about, you know, if you want to have a more inclusive and diverse workplace, especially with, you know, Bloomberg News has reported on, you know, having the pressure on working women, right? And working mothers, I should say, 
um, being able to stay in the workforce if they can work remotely and they can sort of balance, you know, the, the two jobs that they have. Well, let's get even more into that, because, I mean, as you mentioned, this could be a problem for firms that want to uh, have more diverse staffs. Uh, it could also just be a problem for recruitment in general. Uh, based on everything I've hearing, uh, you know, associates uh, are in high demand. There's kind of a bidding war for associates here, and that means they can probably dictate the terms of where they work, uh, you know, either in the office or not. Uh, Megan, I'd be interested to hear from you about, you know, if that's coming up, that that these law firms are saying, you know, to be able to compete in the the war for talent, we need to be able to offer flexible work arrangements. Most definitely. I mean, I think if it's not a discussion that they're having currently, it's definitely a conversation they're going to have going forward. Because, you know, what we're hearing from legal recruiters a- across the country um, is that return to office policies, you know, and workplace flexibility are really become major deal makers and breakers for lawyers, um, particularly, you know, mid-level associates who are really in high demand right now. So for example, you know, we've seen some firms based on this walk back stringent, you know, return to office requirements for attendance that were announced earlier in this year to embrace more flexibility based on that backlash that they got from, um, you know, that they got from their lawyers. So there really is a lot for firms to lose and to gain in this regard with managing their return to office. But I think what Grossman's memo really highlights is this, you know, dichotomy or really kind of these two schools of thought, which is one, lawyers need to be around to be trained, to be mentored and to learn. And some firms have really underscored that in their message. But other firms have seen and learned that, you know, not all work needs to take place in the office and that your lawyers can work from wherever and still be incredibly profitable, which we saw, you know, just incredible revenues from some of these firms in 2020. So it it really is kind of a balancing act that they're having to manage right now. Um, And who knows? I mean, going forward, a lot of these memos and and announcements that firms have said, you know, all of it is based on where the coronavirus pandemic goes. And so there's still a lot of questions with respect to vaccinations and the spread of the Delta variant as to where um, firms will land in this. But a lot of them are really trying to balance this and associates hold a lot of cards right now for sure um that said though you you guys also did a story uh earlier this week about other uh general counsels at uh, other firms uh, mainly tech firms and you were asking them about this and they were like what no we don't care where our lawyers work from you know this is crazy is grossman kind of out on his own here uh or is this you know just something where some uh, companies want their their lawyers in the office, and other companies could care less. Well, certainly, I think that you you have this you know cultural difference between you know the big banks and the technology sector, which has existed for a long time, and you know the, the lawyers are sort of caught up in this, right? I did find it interesting. We reached out to all the other um, top lawyers, top lawyers at all the other big banks, to see you know what they made of Grossman's memo and whether or not they had or planned to send similar miss- missives. Um, and we didn't hear about the only one I think we heard back from was Wells Fargo, which said that they didn't, you know, they would leave it up to the law firms themselves how to craft their own return to work uh, policies. But, you know, when we reached out to, you know, I think we reached out to more than a dozen uh, top technology sector lawyers, uh, we heard back from a few who said, you know, that just the culture out there was different. They didn't mind 
you know, where their lawyers worked from as long as that the work product was up to par and they, they would leave it to uh, their outside law firms to figure out what work, works best for them. Now, not surprisingly, a lot of those larger technology companies have their own largely remote workforces. So you don't have that, um, you know, the split there between the client and employee preferences that, that, that they have to navigate. Um, but I, I think it'll be interesting, you know, it could tie into recruiting too. like Coinbase's general counsel told us last week, chief legal officer, I should say, um, you know, if you want to work in the financial services industry and, and as an attorney and, and, you know, have some degree of freedom about where you're going to work, you know, look at a cryptocurrency company that, you know, doesn't uh, like, like Coinbase, not surprisingly, that, that, that is pretty much moving to a remote first model. And I think that'll be interesting to see going forward. Does that give them an edge in recruiting? You know, maybe they give up a little in compensation for a little more freedom. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you guys, our pals over at Above the Law have another theory as to why Grossman sent this out, um, which is the sort of follow the money theory, which and, you know, the, the way that goes is Morgan Stanley is an investment bank. They have a lot of investments in commercial real estate, commercial properties, i.e. offices. So they kind of have a vested financial interest in having people back in offices, um, you know, so those those big investments don't go belly up. Is there any truth to that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't think you can rule it out. Like I have heard from uh, at least one law firm partner who had a similar line, follow the money, right? You know, uh, Morgan Stanley has a lot of real estate interests um, and maybe this ties into it. I, I don't think it's the only reason. But I don't think you could rule it out. Uh, I should say that Morgan Stanley has not discussed its, nor has uh, Mr. Grossman discussed his reasons for uh, the memo in the first place. It's possible they had, you know, there's any number of reasons why it could have come out. Like, you know, maybe he had uh, a bad experience with uh, a law firm that was fully remote and, you know, Zoom wasn't working that day. I don't know. (laughs) We've we've all we've all been there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I I guess I would say with regard, you know, I can't rule it out. We'll, We'll certainly keep looking at it. Um, um, but my guess is that there were probably a lot of different reasons were funneled into the, the impetus for this memo, which I should note also, also came after Morgan Stanley's CEO, uh, who is also an attorney for, uh, began his career as an attorney in Australia, you know, had a similar sentiment, uh, that, you know, the bank wanted its employees back. And, and here you have the, you know, the general counsel sort of, you know, um, echoing that company line and with the difference being, you know, extending it to the company's outside legal services providers. All right. Well, uh, let's revisit this uh, in maybe three, four months because this is going to be a fascinating topic. Uh, That was Brian Baxter and Megan Tribe with Bloomberg Law speaking about returning to the office. Thank you guys both for talking with us. Thanks, David. Thanks. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Jessica Coombs, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at BLaw. That's B as in be safe out there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. For our next season of Uncommon Law, we're looking at the regulatory future of big tech. The giants need to be broken up. Facebook, Google, all of them. Is big tech impinging on your right to free speech? They've had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter. Misinformation, disinformation. It's like a big Venn diagram. We do not want to become the arbiters of truth. 
We're calling this series Unchecked. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts.